Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. I am joined on Father's Day by my man, Aaron Alvarado. Aaron, how are you? Oh man, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I decided to go maskless today. I refuse to wear a mask. Whoa. Um, I, I refuse to social distance. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh. Any of that good stuff, I am not doing it. Because you know why? I'm an American. I don't you have, have to do those things. You have rights. Yeah, I have rights. Yes. Unlike those... uh unlike countries like Canada yep. and Mexico, um, England. The UK. Yep. Those countries do not do not have freedoms like we do. You were um, born in this country with in, that's right inalienable rights, which sure. include not having to wear a mask to go to the grocery store. That's in check the Constitution, my friend. Where does it say <laughs> that we're supposed to wear a mask? It doesn't say it anywhere. Oh man, I would love to know what our founding fathers how they would have handled COVID nineteen, like coronavirus. Like, what would have been their approach? Um. I mean, I think isn't that what they brought to the new world when they came over was coronavirus. <laughs> That's how they cleared out the land. <laughs> so we know how they would have reacted to it. Oh, that's right. They loved it. That's right. They loved it. They were carriers, lifelong carriers. <laughs> <laughs> that's the legacy of this country. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's funny. That's founding the foundation of America. <laughs> Do you ever think about the founding fathers on Father's Day? Do you ever just pour some out for some founding fathers? <laughs> I think of the founding mothers because oh. no one ever does. No one thinks it's... of the founding mothers. No. Yeah. You know who's the most famous mother, the most famous founding mother? It's Betsy Ross. Oh, wow. Because she just, it's because she made a flag. That's the only thing. Honestly, I was going to say the most famous founding mother was going to, I was going to say the Statue of Liberty. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, France. (laughs) Thank you, France. Yeah. Oh, thank you, France. Uh, Aaron, so much to talk about. Uh, I bring up Father's Day because we're doing something a little unique. We are going to talk about our father's five favorite films or what we believe are their five favorite films right. um, and we're gonna have a little bit of fun with that uh maybe talk a little bit about how that shaped our movie opinions um and uh yeah you know we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not here to be judgmental about our father's picks uh oh of course not no. how could, I, could you imagine if they judged our our favorite picks oh well yeah i mean my whole that's welcome to my entire life um, <laughs> Uh, just kidding. I love you, Dad. I know you're going to be listening to this. Um, <laughs> uh, before we launch into that, can I can I vent for a little bit? Is this let's hear it. safe space? I've been waiting for this. Oh, for venting? <laughs> yeah, I knew it was coming. Here's the thing: we all knew that uh, the result of quarantine and yeah. the pandemic. What, what what's the result of all this? Bottling up all this frustration. And, yeah. And, and this repression and making us wear masks. What do you think is the result of all that? Well, I'll tell you, for me personally, one, one result is I may or may not have made a bit of a scene at a restaurant. <laughs> Good for you. That's part of being an American. Uh, I don't know what the male equivalent of being a Karen is, but that's <laughs> maybe what I did. A Kevin? It's a um, David Matthew. <laughs> have you eaten at a restaurant since restaurants have started reopening? Um, we've only done takeout. So. Only takeout. Yeah, which has been open during this whole coronavirus deal. Yeah. But but some restaurants are open. I mean, in L.A., is that not yeah. the case? Or are It's they... true, yeah. So they're okay. doing uh, – oh, actually, I take that back. We did have we did go for tacos last week, and it's outdoor oh. seating only. So outdoor seating all. only, sure. Yeah, yeah, outdoor seating only. Well, I'll tell you. Um, this past weekend, 
Uh, my lovely wife did a, a little Tahoe getaway with her friend, mm. uh, her friend Becky, and they were having fun. And so I was by myself. And I decided to order from this restaurant um, that just seemed like a good, wholesome, family-owned, all-American restaurant. I ordered to pick it up. It was cheaper to do that than to have it be delivered by DoorDash. Okay. So I order to go pick it up. It's about 10-minute drive. Not far. I pull up, and the the outdoor seating is just packed body to body. Okay. Just tables are close. This is We're mm-hmm. talking Europe, right? You know? Which, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I get out of the car. I was like, oh, man, this is – it's, you know, it's a pretty popular restaurant. Uh, I open the door. Are you going to name the restaurant? Or I wasn't going to. It's going to go. Okay. I, I wasn't going to. Um, ah, f- forget. It's called the it. range. It's called the range. Oh, but, oh yeah. boy. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm yelping it right now. I think... I'm yelping it. <laughs> it's called the range in Roseville. There you go. Mm, uh, boy. So, yeah. Uh, I open the door. I go inside. This place is following none of Master Newsom's. <laughs> um, <laughs> following Actually, none of the covid restrictions that restaurants should be following okay you mispronounce his name it's newscom newscom <laughs> yeah gavin newscom yeah uh, gavin newscom master newscom master newscom <laughs> so i walk Emperor. in and i'm like oh it looks like people are seated at all the tables inside and outside but i'm walking in and there's a crowd of people in front of me basically crowding the hostess podium to get their you know get, get a table place is packed over by the bar just crowds of people and I'm, I'm walking in and I'm immediately like just a, a little more context I may have taken a nap in the afternoon I may have just woken up 45 minutes ago I wasn't in the best of moods okay just ne- I need to be fair sure. here full disclosure wasn't in the best of moods but I'm walking in there and I'm immediately like I want to get out of here as soon as possible okay because if I'm getting the COVID <laughs> it's gonna be right from here well, all we all we've heard about in the last two weeks is hot spots, right? Yeah. There's hot spots there. Oh. This sounds like yeah, a big hot, hot spot. spot. Big hot spot. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Uh, and so, and let's just say the the area of town that I was in, as well as the style and decor of a restaurant that's called The Range. Um, well, let's just say the guests that were frequenting this establishment didn't seem like the type that would um, wear a mask voluntarily at any place. Ooh. So My type of people. Yeah. Good people. Well, yeah. Freedom loving people. So yeah, I America. I'm waiting in line just to get to the toast podium to say I have a takeout order for pickup. You know, and it's taking me forever. I finally get up there and I'm I'm like a little antsy, like I want to get out of here. I failed to. I don't. I'm not wearing my mask because I thought I was going to go in, get my food, get out. And I get up and the 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 woman at the hostess podium is like writing something down, and I'm so I'm standing there and. She's she keeps going. It's like maybe five minutes. And I'm like, oh, does she not see that I'm here? You know, and I'm like, uh, excuse me. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, um, I have an order for ta- like a takeout order. She's like, OK, um, you're going to want to go to the bar and tell them over there. And like was a little bit short. I was like, OK, really wish I would have known that coming in. But OK, I'll go to the bar. I go to the bar I have to wait in line to talk to the bartender who the people in front of me are wanting to test taste every draft IPA, whatever. You know, I don't know. They are tasting everything. And I'm sitting there just like, I just want to. And so finally they get done. I'm in the building now for 20 minutes total. So I I get to her and she's like, you know, what can I get you to drink? I was like, no, I have a takeout order. She's like, oh, you're going to want to go over to the computer to talk to Walker. 
you know, it was like Ooh. Walker, like Texas Ranger. Like, come on. <laughs> like, a little on brand. Paul. Buddy. Come on. <laughs> a little on the notes. But I'm like, oh, okay. That's no one knows. This, this can't, I can't be the first takeout order in this restaurant's history. There's no way that this is like the process. But I go over to the computer and he's like, oh, do you have the takeout order? I was like, I do. And he's like, is it the fried chicken? And I was like, no, it was the pizza with the deviled eggs. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and I see him doing the thing where he's looking at the computer and being like, oh, there is no order here for that. Right. I ordered this from their website. And he's like, okay. He's like, oh, they might have gotten in the back. They probably got in the back. I'm like, that's never good. There's nothing in the back, by the way. No. Um, he, so he disappears for another five minutes. And I'm sitting there like, well, I've got coronavirus by now. So that's done, right? <laughs> so I'm going to go home and quarantine with my cheese pizza, my fromage pizza and deviled eggs. Bro, why didn't you just take the fried chicken? You should Dude, just, I, oh, in retrospect, your- I would have said yes. Whatever, yes. What else is on there? What else you got? Yeah, <laughs> yes. All of that is my order. Give me and I will go. <laughs> So anyway, the guy comes out. The kid looks white as a ghost. You know, he knows he, he doesn't have the order. And I think he can see oh, yeah. a little bit that I am – I'm about out of my patience because I'm giving this look of like I'm looking at my watch. You know, mm-hmm. what he doesn't realize is I'm looking at my watch because I'm tracking my activity rings, you know, on the Apple Watch. <laughs> but, but he comes up and he leans over to the bartender girl and he whispers, the, or- it, the orders just didn't come through. And she's like, okay, just have them start making it now. Ooh. And I said, excuse me, I'm sorry. Did – I stopped them, right? Because it was clear they were trying to not, you know, they didn't want me to hear what they were saying. Sneak one past you. Oh, yeah, definitely. This was definitely, it was, I was not meant to hear this. And so she's like, you know, she's like, let's just start making it right now. And I said, I'm sorry, excuse me, is my food, have you guys not even started making it? And she's like, no, I'm sorry, just technology didn't come through. And I said, okay, look, that's fine. I just kind of get my money back. I don't want, I can't wait around here for you guys to make it from scratch. Like, I just can't. She's like, ah. She gives this look like you, you're going to be difficult. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be difficult. I've been here for 30 <laughs> minutes already, and you're going to start making my food right now that I order. You know what I mean? So I'm on any other day, I'd be so reasonable about this. I'm like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. She's like, we're going to have to get the owner to give you a refund. I was like, get the oh, owner for a refund? Gladly. Okay, fine, cool. Get the owner. I don't, whatever. There's no way it should require that, but cool. Get the owner, you know? Uh, by the way, can a guy get an apology around here? I mean, maybe get me a free drink <laughs> or something, some fries, bottomless fries, like something. Well, I like, would figure that's what the owner is going to come to do. So apologize, so, give you a free drink. Yes. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be wined and dined, champagne campaigned, mm-hmm. kiss the ring, mm-hmm. whatever. Customers always right. This is how businesses are supposed to be run, especially restaurant businesses. So the owner comes around and he's like, what? what's the problem? What's that? I was like, oh, I ordered food online to be picked up now and I've been waiting around and it turns out I guess the order didn't go through and everybody's like oh well why don't we just make it right now did you not offer and she turns to the girl did you not offer to make it right now and she goes no I did but he said he doesn't want to wait around and I said yeah I don't want to wait I want to leave I can I, I just want my money back now and he goes oh really and I'm like yeah and he pulls up the computer and he's like looking at it and he's like what's the name under I was like David and he's like David I just got no orders here technology i said okay cool uh technology and i show him my phone technology took my money you took my money <laughs> out of my bank account like that that technology worked okay so put it back in please you know but he's like okay well i don't since i don't have it here i can't like cancel it out so when i get home tonight i'm gonna call our third party you know uh, servicer and i'll i'll reverse the charge and i looked at him i was like okay um can I get confirmation that I'm getting a refund like of any kind? And he, and he took, this is where things went real south. (laughs) 
I asked for confirmation of me getting a refund. Thirty dollars, by the way, for some deviled eggs. Sure, or, not cheap. You know, of course some, not. Yeah. And he's he looks at me, and goes, "Well, David, you're just gonna have to trust me." And I said, "I, I, I like I was kind of shocked about like he took exception to this idea that I didn't trust mm-hmm. him, you know." He just, he's kind of, you know, he's a very proud, he's, he's got a red, white, and blue American flag face mask. Sure. He's wearing one, yeah. right? He goes, David, well, David is going to have to trust me. And I said, um, I trusted you when I gave you my money to make food. <laughs> That's, that was when I trusted you. And I came here, <laughs> my food wasn't made and you have my money. Like there's no trust, you know? And at this point we, it's now a scene. There's an incident, you know? Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I said, you know, when I was just like, how, you know, you have done nothing to earn my trust. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's actually the exact opposite. You've, you've earned my distrust. Yeah, that's exactly. Done. I have no, you are in the negative. In the trust bank, you are, you are deep in the red. So, and, and he lifts his mask up from below, right? He lifts his mask up. So now it's like, you know, went from 50 stars to about 20. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> lifts his mask up and he goes, David, and then he goes. This is what he said. He goes, "That's not fair." And I was just like, "Fair, okay." And so I put my hands up and I said, "Okay, if I'm not getting my refund, my money, I guess we're done here." And I turn and I just I walk out. But as yes. I turn, he goes, "Wow, that guy, <laughs> the gall!" He yells, "The gall!" across the restaurant as I'm walking out. Amazing. It gets kind of quiet, right? Like there were a, there was a DJ. This is the moment the DJ goes, er, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people in line and people that were outside, people in the bar area waiting, they're all like, oh, and they all look over at me as I'm walking out. And I I, I parked up front like way – like I had a great spot, you know. And, and yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> I drove my Tesla. You know, Lindsay had the other car. And I, I kind of knew the optics, um, you know. So like, <laughs> Everyone's staring at this, you know, this white entitled, you know, millennial. Out of the guy. way, a Tesla <laughs> driver is coming through. <laughs> I throw my fit, I stomp, and I walk in, I get in my one. Tesla, and they're all looking at me. Even the front, everyone in the outdoor seat, and they're all looking, oh, yeah. you know, and, oh, yeah. you know, it always feels like maybe more people are looking than they actually, no, people are actually legitimately staring, because he yells, wow, that guy, the gall. I'm like, the gall to what? The gall to want a refund because you didn't make my food. Like, what are you talking about? Yes. Like, but this yes. was a guy that was like very like, I'm a business owner. You need to, you know, mm-hmm. it's all about trust. And the fact that you like, I challenged him by not by saying that, like, I had no trust in him. Like, he was mm-hmm. really, truly offended by saying, like, I don't trust you. I just just don't trust you. And so I got in the car and uh, just all eyes on me. And I'm like, you know, I just put that thing on autopilot and just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Peeled out of the, I don't know, I didn't. I actually drove very safely, very slowly out of that parking mm-hmm. lot. Um, but I'm driving and I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm mad that I have coronavirus now because I definitely mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And I'm also mad that, like, I don't think I'm going to see that $30, Aaron. <laughs> and you didn't get a deviled egg. I didn't get so. my deviled eggs. What am I going to do? Go make them at home? Like, am I going to get an egg beater out and mix that stuff? Put a little paprika on? No, I'm not making deviled eggs. What are you talking about? I'm ordering deviled eggs to get picked up. I want my deviled eggs. So, yeah, I know. I guess I'm not going to be able to drive my Tesla around while eating deviled eggs on the go. (laughs) (laughs) When did this happen? Was this last week? This was last weekend. Yeah. So, he sends me an email, by the way, uh, on the following Monday. Part of my issue here, honestly, Aaron, was like the dude kept blaming technology. Of Look, course. Technology. 
It, the order didn't come in. Sorry. I'm like, well, your website yeah. technology that took my order worked very yes. well. The technology that took my money worked mm-hmm. like a charm. Perfect. Seamless. Uh, but the technology on your end to where you get the order, make the food. Look, I get it. Technology does mess up. These things happen. Certainly. Almost in any other situation where just like, especially like a, not a franchise business. Like I've been trying to frequent restaurants that are family owned, aren't franchise. Mistake you know. number one. Yeah, mistake number one. Should have just relied on McDonald's, by the way. Would have been perfect. Oh, yeah. They would have. What's funny about McDonald's, Zero they would have given me a free soft serve had this happened. Yes. <laughs> That's the Absolutely. Thing. So, anyway, I um, I just, the fact he didn't apologize actually bothered me. Just like give me some, maybe take some responsibility. Like, yeah, I know it didn't work. I know this can happen. In any other situation, I, like I would just be totally cool about this. Like, yeah, I make the food. But like the fact that this is a crowded shoulder to shoulder restaurant, people all around me coughing in my face, no face mm-hmm. masks, like. I'm I'm all I'm just and I was hungry and I woke up from a nap. I mean, I wasn't I was as entitled and as bratty as you probably could be in terms of the state of mind. But he just didn't man, it was a bad encounter. But he emailed me and said uh it was funny cuz he led with saying like, "Yeah, it turns out the technology didn't work on our end." I was like, "Yeah, got it, buddy," you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and he Thank said you. that uh, but I pride myself on wanting to make sure that our guests have a positive experience and I want to uh, uh extend you a $25 gift card for the next time you come in. By the way, no attached gift card, no code, no way to redeem this thing. It's like just again, it's you gotta a, trust them. It's a verbal gift card, which I'm like, I, I, I'm gonna walk in there and be like, gift card for twenty dollars or twenty five dollars. You know, I don't know how do I redeem this thing, but also like, I don't want to see Kevin again. I don't want to interact with him. I don't, uh, you know, I already have coronavirus now, as I've established. Yeah. So I don't want to go oh, yeah. into his establishment and keep spreading it. Um, well, you know what you got to do. Like the only way you can, um, the, the, the equal opposite reaction to this is you got to show up there in a Confederate flag mask. Since he has the, since he has the United States flag one, this is civil war. I mean, by the way, if I walk in with a Confederate flag mask into at the the range in Roseville, the dude's clearing (laughs) off the whole table. He's giving me a box suite. I get the table in the back. (laughs) That's what he's honestly open tab I, on the house. I have a feeling his mask was actually dual sided. One side is the Confederate flag, the other side is the U.S. flag. Oh, no. So, <laughs> oh. Oh, before we get Amazing. by the way to our dad's five favorite films, can I just make one proposal about speaking of Confederate flags, monuments? You know, this has been in the news, and we're not here to get political. We're not a political talk show. Uh, Never. Uh, Aaron and I, we consider ourselves both. E- we're equally as conservative as we are liberal. That's right. Um, exactly. We are. We. I was born on the fence. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Look, it flip depends a on coin. the day I could go either way. That's right. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know how presidents can appoint the Supreme Court justices? Sure. How about yeah. the president gets to pick the statues that go in? Ooh. And we just swap them out. Like, I love it. You swap them out with the new administration. You get to pick who you want in history. Okay. Maybe we can put, you know, some sort of maybe they have to have passed for at least five years, 10 years, or something like that. Or Hall not. of Fame rules. Hall of Fame rules. Yeah. Hall of Fame rules. Exactly. They have to. So I'm wondering, like, who's on your first ballot statue pick, right? Because oh, if, if a candidate comes out, I'm not even kidding. If a candidate comes out with a platform that includes a Chris Weber statue in Sacramento, I'm listening. I'm listening, you know? I love it. I will trade a Chris Weber statue for a Robert E. Lee, right? Just swap those out. We'll pull down Robert E. Lee like it's a Saddam statue, and we put up Chris Weber from the 2002 Kings. I'm in on that. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> well, I want to see whoever runs for the next uh, governor of California. I want to see a carve out for future statues. Like, yeah. give me, give me some options. I need a top ten of your yes. future statues that are going to go up um, in your first term. So yeah, we didn't get that with Newscom. So. No Newscom, no. Mm. He wouldn't give it to us. No, he's going to build statues to all the lobbyists that funded his campaign. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We uh, he's going to uh, he's going to actually <laughs> he's going to create the. Uh, do that uh, terracotta army that they had in, in China. Oh, no. You know, the one they buried. I mean, he loves the Chinese. So no. the guy is, has a very, he's very oh, comfortable geez. with them. Uh, Bring him to the California. What if you built the statue to his ex-wife? Um, <laughs> Fox News commentator uh, and current Donald Trump Jr. girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Gilfoyle? Yep. Is that her name? Gilfoyle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kimberly Gilfoyle. Kimberly Gilfoyle. Wow. Um Talk about being equally liberal as conservative. She's she's one of us. <laughs> Imagine uh, the conversations in that household, dude. I, at the very least, I want Riveting to establish. Stuff. Can we establish that statues aren't a thing that we require to remember history? But statues, <laughs> you know what I mean. Those are museums and history books. Sure. I sure. ain't asking for the Confederacy. If the five years, the five minuscule years that the Confederacy existed. I'm not asking for that to be torn from the history books. I'm not asking for that to be torn from the, the museums, right? Like, let's talk about it. Let's learn from that. But we don't erect statues for things that we just want to remember, good or bad, <laughs> okay? Germany doesn't have statues from of, of like, Goebbels and, and Hitler. They don't have that to remember. You know, well, there's a reason I mean, why. the way things are going, I don't <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> if Merkel had her way. Um, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, can we at least have an agreed understanding that like we put statues up of people we want to honor, not remember. It's honoring and remembering, right? Like this was just ridiculous to be like, well, tearing it down is removed. Anyway, I'm getting political. It's just silly to me that, that, that that's the argument. It's like maybe we don't put up statues for people that attacked fellow American citizens and, and committed treason and did it in the defense of slavery and attacked their own countrymen and started a war at Fort Sumter that ended up resulting in hundreds of thousands of deaths on both sides. We don't maybe say those are good people because they're not. Literally they're, the bloodiest battle, uh, the, yes. the bloodiest war in American history. Yes. So, uh, yep. I mean, it, it, I mean, what are we doing? Like, okay, put it in the museum. Put it in the history books. Let's talk about it. We, no one's wanting to erase it, but we don't honor these people. Come on. Anyway. Well, the funny, yeah, the funny thing is, when was the last time you actually visited a statue in your entire life? Well, I knew you specifically yeah. made a documentary yeah, about no, statue. I made a documentary. I want to get Erasmo on here. I want to hear from him being like, Erasmo, how many statues have you made or commissions for virtually understood evil people that people are like, it's history. So we just got to make mm -hmm. it. So because we have people to make a bronze to remember. Yeah. No, no. In fact, he did an enormous piece in Saltillo, Mexico of this, like, you know, this in incredibly important figure that was very pop. I fail to remember the name, the historical name of the figure, but this was not someone that had committed genocide or attacked his countrymen, committed murder or treason or anything like that. Not someone who tried to secede from Mexico. Right. It, this was someone who had legitimately done good and he built for it. Like he, he, I would love to get his opinion on it. But to answer your question, when's the last time I went to visit a statue for the sake of history? Um, honestly, the last time was in Tokyo a couple years ago. I visited the dog from that Richard Gere movie. That's awesome. I'm not even kidding. That's hilarious. Lindsay and I went out of our way to find that dog. Okay. And what's yeah. crazy was Antifa was there. They were trying to pull it down. I was like, no, no, no. Oh, They're yeah. like, this dog was racist. 
this dog because he because he wanted to follow around Richard Gere, who was a white guy. And I was like, right. no, that's an American adaptation. The real life story is a Japanese. Yeah. So we stopped Antifa from pulling it down, which was good. Well, you had uh, you help you had help with PETA, so that was they were on your side. PETA was on one. our side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> we had the folks at PETA. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say the only statues I've ever regularly visit are the statues in front of Staples Center. Yeah. So Magic Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's Magic Johnson, uh, yes. Chick Hearn, yes. uh, <laughs> no, Wayne it's, it's funny though, because honestly, the dog in Tokyo that you know that was so faithful to his owner—that is the last time that I went out of my way to find a statue. Before then, the last like human statues that I went, uh, it honestly was Carl Malone and John Stockton when I lived in Utah, and we would go to the uh, Delta Center or, or now right. the so Smart Home. It, right. So if um, if. Laker fans went to that uh, mm. arena and pulled down the the Carl Malone statue mm. because he did cost us a ring. Um, mm. Does that erase Carl Malone from the history books? I don't. Yeah. Is that what that does? Would you be able to? Let's think of it this way. Would you be able to remember Carl Malone if that statue were taken down? No, I, absolutely not. <laughs> that that that's what I'm saying. It just erases him from history. So I get it. I totally get it. Oh. I wish I could. I wish we could erase him from Lakers history. That would be. <laughs> That was a dark day. I get get uh, the sense that Carl Malone, I'm not sure what side of the Confederate monument argument he's on. (laughs) Mm, I can guess. (laughs) Same side as as Charles Barkley. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, speaking of monuments, speaking of monuments to great men, our fathers, we we have a list of five movies that are a monument to their love of movies. Their taste in movies. I, I can't wait to dissect this list with you because it really tells a lot. I, I will tell you right now, you know, I was able to ask my dad in preparation for this pod, what are your five favorite films? And he did not hesitate. Okay. Rattled them off right away. <laughs> he rattled them off right away. He just went boom, 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 boom. And then I put the list together and he's like, well, swap this one for that one in terms of the order. And then he's like, that's, but he had him ready to go. That's great. He's about that's to turn, so you know, 60, almost 64, I think. I don't know. Who knows? He's in his early 60s. And he was just, yeah, he had him ready to go. And it's pretty incredible. I, 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 I guessed three of them beforehand, but two of them I would not have guessed were in his top five. But the I, three I'm, that you guessed were, was that all three Matrix films? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was Just yeah. Reloaded. Just Reloaded <laughs> and, and Revelations. He doesn't care for the first one. <laughs> the worst oh, of the bunch gosh. by far. Oh. He loves the Animatrix, which wow. is the cartoon one. We're, oh, <laughs> I thought you were said Animaniacs. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, who doesn't love the Animaniacs? Uh, we are getting a new Matrix film, by the way. Uh, it was supposed yeah, to come out next wait. year, but because of coronavirus, of course, the production was halted, and I think we're going to get it the following year now. But anyway, uh, the chances of it being good are slim to none. Zero percent chance. Similar to the chances of the Bill and Ted movie, which I'm not going to comment on that trailer because I loved the first two Bill and Ted films, especially the first one, but I really do love those movies. And, um, and I'm aware that the new Bill and Ted movie... Um, has really less than a puncher's chance of being good, good to decent. But I'm not. I'm gonna be there opening night, right? I'm just gonna be same. There, so yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll absolutely it. be there. So, so just trying to not think about that trailer because it's not not great. So as we introduce these five films, and I'm gonna have you kick off with your number five of your dad's favorite yeah. films. I'm curious how much maybe just preface a little bit about how much your father's taste in films shaped at all your early taste in movies. Did it? Yeah, did it so, impact it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So my parents obviously had an impact on the movies that I watched when I was a kid. And, and you know, unlike you, I, I wasn't able to ask my dad about his favorite films because I lost my dad in mm-hmm. 2017. But um, 
I was able to talk to my brother and sister about it, and we all had the same, we basically all had the same movies that we remember him oh, just absolutely loving. That's great. So that was that was pretty funny. So you reached out to um, your siblings, and that you, you convened a sibling council. Yes, a real quick uh, polling of my my brother and sister, that's and we all great. had the same three movies. I think. Oh, good. Okay, heads. so that this was, is bulletproof. This is this. This is. Okay. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, but yeah, you know, as I was younger, um, growing up with my dad, he had a very specific taste in movies. I wouldn't call them uh, particularly um, mm. sophisticated. Sure, <laughs> he was like he he liked what he liked, um, and um, it, it's. I think it did have an influence on me uh, as I grew older. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily like the same movies that he did, but he did. It did certainly had an influence and impact on uh, the way that I watch movies. Uh, his his the the type of movies that he liked were just straight action films, westerns. Mm-hmm uh the kung fu movies mm. um stuff like that uh comedies for sure he he uh he had a big problem with long movies um movies that were drawn out he did mm. not like long movies at all oh yeah um with, yeah he, with he couldn't right be bothered yeah. uh, <laughs> with a long boring movie uh once i remember him um telling me that he watched uh uh the deer hunter and oh, he hated it because yeah. it was so long. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and then, you know, um, as I got older, I rented it. And I was like, this movie's amazing. I don't know why. But it is a long movie. It is so long I, movie. I understand why he didn't like it. Um, but yeah, he loved war movies. He loved, yeah. uh, like I said, action. Um, just genre movies in general. I wasn't a big horror fan necessarily, but... Um, he, he was he was a movie fan in, like, the popcorn sense. Yes. So, so that definitely had an influence on, on the movies that I watched growing up. Was there any actors that he particularly liked, or is there a reoccurring theme in them in the in the list of five that I, I'm curious if there's actors they liked or even ones they didn't like? I, I mean, uniquely enough, there were like there's a couple of my my dad was like vocally opposed to to the point that like I actually like harbored those similar feelings till I was like later in my teenage years and I realized like wait a second I don't know why I dislike this actor or this actress. Maybe I need to form my own opinion. Um, but right, right. Were there? W- w- did he stand for certain actors? Oh, absolutely. So my dad grew up in like the sixties, seventies, eighties. Yep. And so he loved he loved Stallone. Of course. He loved Bruce Lee. He loved yeah. uh, Chuck Norris, Steve McQueen, yeah. Charles Bronson, um, all those guys. Like th- that's those are the guys that he grew up watching um, that he was a fan of. So just the the manly men, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul Newman, stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know your list. I'm banking on one overlap, though. I don't, I'm not, I don't know which Ooh. one, but I'm guessing we will have one movie overlap. That's what I like to hear. So, so let's, I'm curious. Let's kick it off. What's your number five? Or your father? So number five, number five. I think I'm going to start with the old, with the newer movies first. Okay. Um, the more recent ones, because you know, as we got older, he didn't, uh, he didn't really like the, like he wouldn't latch onto newer movies yeah. and rewatch them yes. in general, like he did the older movies. Same with my dad. Um, but there was. There was a couple. Like, there was one specifically. The movie Sling Blade. Mm. Came out in 1996. Billy Bob Thornton. He absolutely loved that movie. Sling Blade. Sling Blade. I've only Have you seen Sling Blade? I've never seen it. No. It's great. It's a great, it's a great it? film. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so Billy Bob Thornton plays, like, um, a simple man. He plays uh, a guy that um, who grew up, like, almost like a Forrest Gump type. Very simple. Um, and he was in prison for killing his mom and her lover. <laughs> and so that's, he, he went to like, 
this this uh, insane asylum essentially and then he gets let out he's older now and he gets let out he's been rehabilitated and he has to like get introduced back into society and so that's all what the movie is about it's billy bob thorne giving like the performance of his life at that point he directed the movie and uh, it's a very southern movie uh it's really good I, I like it a lot it's a really good movie but for some reason oh and billy bob has like this very particular speech pattern the way he talks um yeah I won't do it now, but if you watch the movie, oh, you, you I wanted hear the it. impression. And it's, uh, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But there's like certain catchphrases from the movie, and my dad would constantly use those catchphrases. Like, any, like, it's, he would just randomly bring it up. Um, and it, of course, doing the voice. So, That's Sling great. Blade in 1996 is one Sling absolutely Blade. on his top five list. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, who directed Sling Blade? Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, he, he directed. Oh, he directed did direct it. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he absolutely. Yep, yep. Wow, I forget. So it's, it's funny that movie. He um, he made a short with uh, starring Molly Ringwald. Mm. She plays um, like his doctor at the hospital, and Billy Bob plays the uh, the patient, obviously. And they turned that short into a full length feature uh, by selling it based off of the short. Mm. So, and that that propelled Billy Bob into into his like his full on career as a uh, he he was an A lister at some point. I think he's probably still. Like sure. B to A list. Yeah, A minus, um, B plus. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's I mean he's not gonna be a big draw to the movies, but it's always a delight to see him. Oh, absolutely. He's super talented. Yeah. I think he's amazing. So Yeah. Um wow, that's great. So Sling Blade as n- number five. And you're doing this in chronolo or reverse chronological reverse order. Chronological. So most recent to oldest. Okay. Uh, my my dad's films are all pretty old. Uh I mean old as in they're all in the sixties and seventies. So Awesome. Uh, I mean, this is doesn't surprise Great me. Period. If I, you know, yeah. when I'm in my 60s and I'm rattling off my favorite films, they will a lot of them will be shaped by my upbringing. But at the same time, like I will never not have The Godfather in my top five. Uh, or Fight did, Club. Didn't make... Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> it was a form. In my, Napoleon Dynamite was crucial in my formative years. You know, I yeah. single-handedly campaigned to get that film to be shown at the Folsom Century Theaters. I mean, not even kidding. Like, that was a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thing I tried to do and succeeded doing. And it, it ran there for yeah. months. Yeah. Months. It eventually like, grossed $50 million uh, yeah, yeah. worldwide. But, yeah, well, let's be honest. The United States of America was carrying uh-huh. that film. <laughs> in certain certain cities more than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Very Western. Um, sure, sure. But uh, interesting, you mentioned Napoleon Dynamite because it takes place in the city of Preston, Idaho. That is Ooh. my father's name, Preston. Uh, and his number five film, if you're ready to jump over, <laughs> is a 1977 Epic space opera uh, directed by George Lucas called Star Wars. <laughs> so I'm not going to say a whole <laughs> lot here. That. I'm wearing I've my Star Wars shirt. Uh, obviously, this hugely influenced me growing up. I was I wore out all the old VHS tapes from Return of the Jedi all the way to, of course, A New Hope. Um, I will say my father growing up, he was never a big fan of The Empire Strikes Back. And he would often say that's because uh, when how sad he felt learning of the parentage of Luke, but even more devastating than learning that Vader was Luke's father was leaving Han and Carbonite. My dad's a big Han Solo stan. And I remember growing up, he was just like, oh, it's so it's so sad. It's so frustrating. It's not happy. That's not a good movie. We waited three years to learn if Han was getting out of that Carbonite. Like it really made him mad, but he loved the first Star Wars film. Now, my dad was on a two-year Mormon mission in Cleveland, Ohio, when this film came out in 1977. Now, 
anyone knows anything about Mormon missions, you're generally cut off from, you know, you don't really read the news. You don't view, you're not allowed to view movies uh, for the most part. Um, you're, you're not listening to new music. You're mostly just listening to, you know, gospel uh, choir type of stuff. You're really mm-hmm. kind of shut off in a lot of ways. Um, now, there are exceptions to that. Occasionally, there'll be films that, you know, and this is per area or per mission that you serve in. This is not, you know, this is decided by the regional people. But if they feel like, missionaries would be motivated by seeing a feel-good film like remember the titans i think when that came out i know uh, certain missionaries in the united states that were allowed to go to the theaters to see that uh, i will say in my two years i lobbied hard to see some inspirational films uh like the born ultimatum or the simpsons movie uh, <laughs> i was unsuccessful in my lobbying um <laughs> Uh, Both great films. Yeah, also Spider-Man 3, which I was – thank goodness they declined that one because that that is the opposite of inspirational, my friend. Uh, that was a blessing. Yeah. They oh, boy, was no it. Yeah, one. no. God's hand was involved in, in making sure we didn't <laughs> see that. Um, so my, my dad was allowed to see two movies on his within his two-year Mormon mission, and that was the first Rocky film, and that was Star Wars. He says he saw Star Wars multiple times in theaters, uh, which – if anyone knows anything about being on a more mission, it's hard work, and I would understand the desire to go to the movies over and over and over again, which almost certainly was not uh, allowed. Um, but <laughs> but he was allowed to see it once, um, and so it was unique that he got to see it. It was also unique that they viewed that as something inspirational, uh, which is interesting. Um, but um, maybe it's the uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was some Mormon dogma that was connected with you know the <laughs> Star Wars, the Force. Um, but anyway, so his number five is Star Wars. And those of you who haven't seen it, I'd recommend going to see it. I think it's streaming all over the place. So <laughs> Star Wars. What is uh, – I got I to gotta know what your dad thinks of the uh, sequels. Um, so I uh, I think he enjoys them as popcorn films. He doesn't have strong opinions. Mm. I don't, he's not re-watching them. He's not, he's not – go- I don't think he's gone back to any of them. Force Awakens, Last mm-hmm. Jedi, uh, Rise of Skywalker. I, I remember I, did, I was with him when we saw Solo. And he enjoyed it. It was fun because Soul is kind of like a Western. And um, yeah. that, that's going to be in the next, especially in the next four films. And there's no Carbonite in it. Yeah, no, no, no Carbonite. Uh, <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to reassure him. I was like, Dad, this one's not going to end with Han and Carbonite. I promise. <laughs> uh, and so we had to really talk him into it. Should have. It would have been a better uh, film. Imagine if in Solo they uh, Carbonited Han in the first five minutes. And it's just a Chewbacca. The rest of it's, it's just Chewy. Yeah. 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 Uh, with Woody Harrelson, I would have loved that movie. Uh, and uh, uh, and Lando. Oh yeah, that's the thing. No disrespect to Alden Ehrenreich. In fact, I've been on the record saying that he did way better than I thought. But I would love the Carbonite edition where he gets sidelined and Donald Glover just takes over because Donald Glover showed up to play on that set. Such a better movie. And it's it's Such a, a bummer to see him not be able to be the main figure. And also knowing mm-hmm. that. That film not doing so well, we're never going to get like a Han or a Lando movie, excuse me. Never. No, no. Donald, I don't think would do it. I mean, they'd have to really bring in the Brinks truck. So <laughs> uh, what's your number four? So number four, um, I have a comedy. This is oh, a good. very, very obscure comedy. This is a movie, 1994's uh, The Cabin Boy. Whoa. With Chris Elliott. Have you ever seen this? Chris Elliott? No. Chris Elliott, yeah. So do you know who Chris Elliott is? No. He, okay, so Chris Elliott was, um, I think he had a short run on Saturday Night Live, uh, but he was more, he was like a sidekick for David Letterman. Oh, I think wow. that's where he really got his 
his uh, his real churn on TV, and then he spun it into like um, a TV series on Fox. He's on Everybody Loves he Raymond. Like a, yeah, yeah. So he had he had a real nice run. Oh, in the he's early in there's, 90s. there's something about Mary. Yeah, he absolutely. He's the friend is. in so he's, some, okay. He's the yeah, friend yeah, in yeah, something yeah. about Mary. Okay. Exactly. Woogie is his name. That's right. Um, that's Chris Elliott. So this movie, The Cabin Boy, for some reason, it really struck a chord with my dad. Like, the, okay, so the movie is all about. Um, it's set in the uh, in in like I want to say the 1800s, yeah, 1800s uh, on a pirate ship, and uh, this pirate ship is sailing through the Caribbean maybe, and uh, for some reason Chris Elliott is he's a fancy lad is what he calls him, what the the uh, what they call him he ends up on this pirate ship, which so it's like a fish out of water story because he is like an aristocrat. And uh, he's like a, a real loser, loser, uh, older, basically a fail son who ends up on this pirate ship and um, all the uh, the pirate, all the pirates just like give him hell. Basically, they just make fun of him. They just uh, like just endlessly bash this Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott like plays a really dumb guy very, very well. Um, he's he's very punch. He has a very punchable face. Uh, it's it's just a really just a s- stupid, silly comedy uh, very slapsticky, lots of jokes, um, a lots of sight gags, and for some reason, my dad absolutely found this movie hilarious. Wow, it's a funny movie. It's a pretty funny movie. Well, look at this cast: Brian Doyle Murray, Andy Richter. Yeah, I so mean- Brian Doyle Brian Doyle Murray plays the the ship's captain, and he is perfect. Like he's so funny in that role. Andy Richter um, is also really good in it. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, I, I highly recommend Cabin Boy if you. Uh, for you, especially as an old school SNL fan, yeah, um, it fits like it totally fits in that like mid '90s SNL fandom. Yeah, that uh, tier. Yeah, um, very very funny movie. Directed Stupid. by Adam. Resnick. It's really dumb. Adam Resnick directed it, uh, who is yes. known mostly yeah. for writing on Letterman, and he also yeah. uh, is a producer on Larry Sanders Show. Um, yeah, he did not direct very many other movies. I don't think he even directed another one. <laughs> no, I don't think ten so. million dollar budget, and it made three point seven. Oh, but I love oh, these. It was I love these small the little gems like yes. this. This is great. Yeah, this movie was not critically acclaimed by any means. Produced like, by was, Tim Burton. Yeah, it was totally panned. Uh, this was one of those gems you find in the uh, in the blockbuster, like the ninety nine cent rental bin, basically. Love it. And um. Like he just absolutely loved it. He thought it was hilarious. Um, yeah. So Cabin wow. Boy, I recommend it. I think it's really funny, especially if you like '90s comedy. You'll, yeah. you'll like it. You know, it's funny as I'm I'm googling it and looking at, seeing some of the screenshots. Boy, does yeah. this movie look familiar to me? You've I, probably seen the box. I guarantee you've seen the okay. box at. Um, I, I've at, at least like seen the box, or I have seen this movie when I was much younger, and probably have did no memory, but but yeah. it definitely looks familiar. Uh, also, yeah. shout out to Chris Elliott. He's Larry the cameraman in Groundhog Day, one of my yes. top ten films of all time. So yes, great. He's a very very funny guy. Good. Oh, dude, loving this list. Cabin Boy. Random I'm, I'm gonna watch it. Cabin I'm gonna find Boy. out if that's playing anywhere, uh, streaming anywhere. I think it might be actually. Okay. I, I want to see it's on Prime, maybe Amazon Prime. So, all right, my dad's number four uh, is a 1973 film directed by Michael Crichton. Starring Yul Brynner and James Brolin, and it's called Westworld. This is a film we watched a ton growing up. Um, Westworld uh, is what's interesting. Like the genre of Westworld um, is a like futuristic space western 
but not in the same way that you'd describe, uh, I guess, well, if you would ever call Star Wars a space western, I guess it's more of a space opera. But uh, Westworld nowadays is known mostly for the HBO show, right? Um, had a popular first season, a less popular second season, and even less popular third season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, I, I loved this movie as a kid. It was terrifying. It was scary. I loved the combination of it was a Western, but not really. It was just a futuristic movie about this world where you could be in the West. And, and you know... They took this fairly simple concept in the HBO show and they made it this very, very convoluted, complicated, trying to say a little bit too much, being a little too, um, like, I don't know. I, I just think they tried to get into the symbolism a, a bit too much in the HBO show, being a little too high-minded. This one is just very straightforward. The machines and the robots have gone wrong. They are attacking the people in the town that are the tourists that think that they can just, you know have a heyday, eat, drink, and be merry, have told, do whatever they want with these robots. It doesn't, you know, and, you know, have gun, gunfights and rob a bank and go into the saloon, whatever it might be. And you have Yule Brynner as this, uh, robot gone wrong that, uh, hunts down, um, uh, James Brolin. And so shout out to James Brolin, by the way, there is a, a, a sequel to this called future world that stars Peter Fonda. That's actually quite good as well. Now I was surprised looking this up. I knew Westworld was a movie my dad loved. I know he loves Yul Brynner. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised it was on this list. I was surprised this was directed by Michael Crichton. Um, it's written and directed by him. I mean, I know Michael Crichton for being obviously this one of the you know probably most prolific novelists and uh, screenplay writers in Hollywood history. I mean, obviously he's written so many books. Uh, I didn't know he directed any movies. Did you know this, Aaron? I had no idea. He directed I, I've never seen movies. Westworld, so. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at that list, and it's not uh, a great list. There's not a ton of them. Um, in fact, it, they're really a lot of them are in the 80s, uh, and most of them are Westerns. Um, and he did one with Sean Connery. Uh, but Westworld, for me, is certainly, looking at the list of films he's directed, is, is the best one. Uh, $1 million budget made 10 million at the box office and obviously spawned sequels both films as well as tv adaptations but have you seen the original westworld never seen it dude it's yeah, great i've seen it's i want to i want to watch it now i mean you sold me on it. i'm gonna check it out no it's sure. a it's a really good james brolin's yeah no it's just a really really solid movie uh, i haven't seen it in a while um the yule brenner is so scary in this movie Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, also knowing now what we know about Russians makes him even scarier. So, um, <laughs> I think he's Russian. Um, <laughs> Yul Brynner must be, um, yes. Russian American actor. Good. Whew. That was going to get canceled there. <laughs> that was close. Um, yeah. Go see, go see, uh, Westworld. Hopefully it's streaming on one. I'm going to check that one out. That sounds, it's really interesting. Um, was that your number two? Uh, no, that was or four. So I'm going four. from five oh, and that was four. four. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, so my number three on my or my dad's number three, according to me, is um, a 1978 film called Game The Game of Death. Whoa, Game of Death. This is a Bruce Lee film. This mm. is a classic kung fu movie. Uh, Bruce Lee. Oh yes. Uh, so th- there's. Um, is this the one with the Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Please tell me. It, absolutely. Yes! This is the one with both Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Chuck Norris. So Whoa. this is why I bring this up is because he was he constantly talked about how cool Bruce Lee was, how awesome he was on film. And and he talked about this epic fight scene that he had with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, he was, my dad was a Laker fan, so obviously he was a fan of Kareem. Um, and he would talk about how amazing Kareem did uh, fighting Bruce Lee and just how 
this this epic fight that they had together. And then, of course, he was a fan of Chuck Norris, so I reference that as well in this movie. Um, I'm not a huge Bruce Lee fan. I don't really understand the appeal of the kung fu movies, mm. but I've watched so I've watched them, and um, you know I, I can I can watch them, but I wouldn't say that I'm. Yeah, there you go. There's the poster. I wouldn't say that I'm a fan of Bruce Lee, but they're entertaining, and I I, I, I kind of get it, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he he loved it. He loved all. He loved because um, he grew up in that era. Obviously, late seventies. He was in. He was a teenager. Um, and he loved anything to do with karate, kung fu, uh, any of that stuff. It was just like he loved um, just hearing about it, um, thinking about it, pretending yeah. that uh, he um, would like. He he had this passion about like the the tools, like the nunchucks, the throwing stars. He was just constantly going because I guess when he was younger, he had that stuff, like some form of it. Because um, you weren't supposed to have that stuff, but right. you know. Being a teenager, he found a way of to uh, procure that stuff. Uh, I don't know how legit they were, but he uh, he had he had some fun times with those things, and I, you know that was formative for him, right? So yeah. he he carried that uh, that love for kung fu movies until uh, you know until I was old enough to realize um, you know what what like why they were so entertaining and and why he had, he had such an affinity for them. But yeah, so Game of Death is where. Bruce Lee dons that famous uh, yellow and black um, tracksuit that you know, we see uh, referenced in uh, Kill Bill um, many, many years later by mm. Tarantino and uh, Uma Thurman. So yeah, it's 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 a fun movie. I mean, again, I don't really get it, but I've watched it, and it's pretty cool. There's some pretty cool fight scenes. Well, it's you've just, been I don't know. you've been out on Bruce Lee ever since you saw him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, so yeah. once I realized that just a regular stunt man could <laughs> could literally destroy him, <laughs> I was done with Bruce Lee. Uh, but yeah, so Game of Death is is on his list. I would say. Great, awesome. Um, I'm gonna try to bring in these images uh, as as they come up. Oh, uh, very post, cool. For those watching on the video feed, uh, this is the lot, awesome. the Westworld one, which is great. The uh, the log line is. Where robot men and women are programmed to serve you for dot 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 romance dot 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 violence dot 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 anything, Westworld star Yul Brynner, uh, James Brolin, oh, Richard Benjamin. A lot of ellipses in that, in that yeah. poster. A lot of ellipses. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of them. Oh yeah, too many actually. Too many. Uh, it's part of the code, I guess, in the uh, robots. So my dad's number three is a film in 1969. He actually has two films on this list from 1969. His number one film is also uh, from that same year. Speaking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which takes place in 69. What a crazy year, by the way. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's crazy to think about that movie and the events of that movie. And also, like, these films came out in 1960. I mean, wow. Uh, but it's yeah, another. No, she had Woodstock and yeah, and going to the moon. All that in the stuff. moon landing, a lot, a lot yeah, it's yep, yep. really really crazy. Uh, this one's a western, but it's a, a western musical, starring Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood, and it is <laughs> Paint Your Wagon. We watched this one all the time growing up. Again, we knew all the songs. I I haven't watched it since probably middle school, to be honest with you. Um, my dad is a huge Clint Eastwood fan, and this is where so was my dad. I was curious to know which Clint Eastwood films were going to make his list. I was wondering if it would be Unforgiven. I thought Dirty Harry was definitely. We watched the Dirty Harry movies all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, my dad, huge fan of Clint Eastwood's film work. Also a huge fan of Clint Eastwood's municipal work as the mayor of uh, Car- Carmel, California, Monterey. <laughs> um, did a lot of good work there. <laughs> 
Uh, we used to <laughs> stay at a friend's home in Pebble Beach, and my dad would be like, you know who the mayor is? It's Clint Eastwood. This is probably long after he was no longer mayor, but we were, oh, to yeah. us, he was mayor forever. Uh, it was just an empty chair is what it was. Um, <laughs> no, but so my dad is a huge Clint Eastwood fan. Uh, but Paint Your Wagon, big in the Stauffer household. Um, I'm wondering how well time has and uh, today's climate, I should say, has been to Paint Your Wagon. I have no idea. I'm wondering if some of the songs hold up or not. Not that I think it needs to be politically correct. I, and I may be wrong for even suggesting it might not be, but I feel a little bit like it's probably not. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. But the songs are great. Um, it's directed by Joshua Logan. It's someone I do not know. Cannot name another film. Are you familiar with that person? I'm not. Never heard of the name before. But have you seen Paint Your Wagon? I've seen so I've seen parts of it. I've seen it. Uh, you know, when I was taking like film classes, they brought up Paint Your Wagon. Mm-hmm. They showed us a scene or scenes from it. So okay. that's the only time I've ever uh, watched. Well, it. Well, it was huge in the Stauffer household. My dad loved it. It's his third favorite film of all time. So that's the 1969 wow, that's Western musical Paint Your Wagon. Very cool. Uh, right. The next one on my dad's list is this is absolutely on his list. I know um, after much consideration, this was 100 percent on mm. it. It's 19, 1976, the Bad News Bears, oh, the original, not the Linklater Waltz. remake. <laughs> no, no, not the not the remake. No, and not the many spinoffs that stole the idea either. Oh, inter- the, yeah, you're talking Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill. Yes, yes, Walter. He. This movie was. I feel like this was his life. Like, you know, he was growing up, he was huge into Little League baseball. He always had these, he had a million stories about playing Little League. It was a highlight of his life. Um, so, and this movie takes place in 1976. He would have been about 13 years old uh, when this movie came out. So, this was like, this movie was made for him, essentially. Um, if you've never seen the movie, uh, you should watch it. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, it's about a. Uh, uh, Walter Matthau yeah. has to lead this loser group of, of Little League players um, to get them to learn how to play baseball, essentially. Um, and we've seen that we've seen that format stolen many, many times and referenced later in many later movies. So, but this was the original; they did it first. Well, we you, we listen to the Bill Simmons podcast quite a bit, um, you know, for better or for worse, often the latter. But uh, he references Bad News Bears all the time as of something that was formative for him. He loves it, uh, sure. and, and he's not alone. Like this is a Certainly men of, of this era were huge fans of this movie. Um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and read that? Can you read that top part of the poster for me? The I guess the log line? Sure. It says, the coach is waiting for his next beer. The pitcher is waiting for her next bra. The first team bra. Is waiting for a mir- <laughs> oh, first bra. Sorry. The team is waiting for a miracle. Uh, consider the possibility. Yeah. Great. Yeah, this, was, this was a different era. Yeah. When- <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's a different era. But it, so, and people uh, talk about that all the time. Like you can't remake this movie because the jokes in it are just would never fly. Um, it it is very era specific to yes. the, the uh, mid seventies. Yes, um, a lot of stuff absolutely would not fly today. Uh, but it's good to see like a time time capsule yeah. of that era um, to see the stuff that they that was influencing people and and how. Uh, Society was reflected in this movie, and I think this one, especially for my dad, because he absolutely loved sports so much, um, and they were so formative for him. He played Little League Baseball and Pop Warner Football. I can't tell you how many times he had war stories from those uh, Little League and Pop Warner Football games that he would tell us. It's really, really funny, because he constantly referenced uh, these these plays that he would ma- that he made when, he, uh, when he was playing on those teams, so it's 
I mean, it's that movie particularly uh, strikes a chord with uh, with me because it reminds me so much of my dad. So that's great. I'm, Bad News Bears, nineteen seventy six. I love baseball movie making the list. I'm that is one surprising omission from my father's list. Who him, he is a huge baseball fan. He played baseball all growing up. Uh, in fact, he played baseball uh, with the American University in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, for those, oh, wow. that's awesome. a reference for anyone who watched The Last Dance recently and and. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, that little Steve Kerr tidbit about his father and the tragic events as he was president of American University. My dad had lived there just a few years prior um, and actually played baseball with the American University team. Uh, huge baseball fan. He loves Field of Dreams, loves the Kevin Costner baseball movies. Um, I don't know that he – I don't remember him talking Bad News Bears, but I was expecting some some baseball movie to make his list. I knew it wouldn't be the natural because he was so upset that the trailers ruined the ending. <laughs> um, but, uh, I love seeing that you have that in your dad's list. Uh, that's, yeah, it's great. It's, it says a lot about, you know, someone's love for a sport and especially that movie, which is beloved. It really is. So it's a great movie. Highly recommend it. Well, so far we haven't had any overlap. My, my prediction of one may or may not happen. We will see. Uh, I I'm holding on to it. I still think there's going to be one overlap, but, uh, would be nice. That was your number two. That was number two. So you have yeah. one left. Okay. So I've got, one. now I'm yeah. on my number two. Uh, my number two is a 1960 film. Uh, it's a Western Ooh. by John Sturgis starring, once again, Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. And that is The Magnificent Seven. Great movie. This is an all-timer. Okay. Mm-hmm. They fought like 700. You got Steve McQueen there in the poster. You see Yul Brynner there in the middle, which to me looks like the the bad guy from Westworld. <laughs> but uh, this is a huge film. Obviously, one of my dad's favorite films. I talk about all these films as if we watched them a ton growing up, which is true. Obviously, if my dad liked them so much, he's going to be showing them. This is one that was like, my dad puts on The Magnificent Seven to show us this is what a good movie looks like. This is a classic film. And it's now, you know, as I've gotten older and a little bit more educated in cinema and understanding the roots of this film, which is indeed a classic, a bona fide American classic. But the roots of this film was based on an, uh, an even older classic, Seven Samurai, uh, which is on the Criterion channel. And I've rewatched recently and it's it's a long film, but it is incredible. Uh, it's Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece, Seven Samurai. And I'm going to go ahead and say The Magnificent Seven here is absolutely a Sturgis mas- masterpiece. Uh, this is a great, great movie. I, it's amazing that it's been as long as it has since I've actually seen this movie. Unfortunately, I did go to the movie theaters to watch the remake, Magnificent Seven. Uh, I think it was, was that David Ayers that directed it? Oh, it was, no, 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 it was, uh, was Fuqua. Uh, Fuqua. Fuqua. It was Fuqua. Yeah, Antoine, was Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. That's right. I was going to say, like, there's no way Denzel Washington's making that movie with David Ayers. He will make it with Fuqua, Fuqua though, because they have a tr- an incredible track record. Um, but before that, they did both uh, Training Day and American Gangster. I want to say, uh, American Gangster. Oh no, that was, was that was uh, that was Scott. To, uh, Ridley, Ridley Scott. Uh, Ridley Scott. Uh, yeah. Oh, they did. What did they, they do? They did the X. The uh, uh, there's another movie that he did the sequel to recently. I'm forgetting the yes. name of it. Um, the uh, I was gonna say the, the expend- Expendables it's, uh, Equalizer. It's the equalizer. equalizer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their track record is good because of one movie, and that is Training That's Day. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you've seen Magnificent Seven, Aaron. I absolutely have seen Man- Magnificent Seven, and uh, my dad didn't specifically reference it, but I'm sure he was a fan of sure. it because he had um, he was a fan of westerns for sure. Not a huge fan, but he definitely appreciated them. Um, basically, any movie with a gun, 
um, and Cowboys, yes. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he was a fan of. But Magnificent Seven is awesome. It's a great, great movie. movie. Um, fantastic cast. Also, Severed Samurai is amazing. Yes. Probably the better film, but uh, like you said, both of them classics. Both of them classics. For different yes. reasons. Different, so. Totally different movies in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, in almost everything, vibe, feel. But uh, this is truly an American adaptation of a classic mm-hmm. story, Japanese story. Uh, so what is your dad's, what do you have as his favorite film? I believe this, since we're going chronological, this this is the oldest movie that I know that he's referenced and that I know he was a fan of uh, because he did talk about it often. This is 1963's The Great Escape. Ah, uh, yeah. So Sturgis again, right? Uh, no. Starring Steve McQueen yeah. again, Charles Bronson again. Um, but yeah, this is... Uh, one of one of my fa- my dad's favorite genres, World War II war movies. He was a huge fan, huge fan of those. Um, and Steve McQueen again, huge fan of Steve McQueen and James Garner, Charles Bronson, all these guys. Um, he was a fan of all of them. He talked about this movie quite a quite a bit. He was definitely a fan. Um, and this was this is a longer movie, so you wouldn't think that uh, I wouldn't I should say I wouldn't think that he would be a fan of it, but. He did love it. He was a fan uh, because it's such a great film. This is an amazing film. Um, the Great Escape is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I love this movie. Um, and it's it's just everything about Richard, At- Richard Attenborough is also in it. Uh, Donald Pleasance, James Coburn. Like the, the cast is unreal. It's so good. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's about uh, the, these group of officers, American and British officers, um, get they're prisoners of war and they're stuck in... Um, a POW camp and this is all about how they escape and they come up with these little plots and plans of how they're going to get out and um, it's just so good it's uh, this is World War II porn for sure like this is this makes World War II seem very very cool um, and of course the Americans and British are the heroes um, as they as they were yeah. um, and it, this this is like all them in all their glory they're very stoic and brave and um resourceful so it's a great film i can't recommend it enough great escape my dad loved it he loved all the actors in it they represented uh all his favorites james garner he so james garner was in this tv show called um uh rockford files my dad was also a fan of rockford files talked about it often and and i think it was called the gambler mm. was that was that, it that's the, a james that's Garner's? james the garner yeah yeah, so that was also I think that was also a TV show that yeah. we talked about often. James Garner again, he was a huge fan of James Garner. Uh, but yeah, God, when I think about a World War II movie that my dad loved, uh, Great Escape is number one on that list. So I would put that as, as number one on his list. That's great for sure. I love it because yeah. that's again same director as Magnificent Seven. This is mm-hmm. John Sturgis, same one of the same leads in Steve McQueen. Yep. It, it, yep. This is incredible. I love it. That's a great uh, a lot of overlap. There. The one-two punch. So my dad loves The Great Escape. We watched this movie all the time growing up. Didn't make his top five. I, I can imagine him right now in his seat as he, he's watching this or listening to this, the podcast or the YouTube version, and him going, no, yeah, no, I, I, I put the Great Escape onto my phone. I can see him right now being like, take off paint your rag and put on a Great Escape. I, you know, my, yeah, yeah. I could absolutely see him wanting a, a It's take so back. good. It's so great. It, it's such a good movie. In fact, so good that, I, I mean, I, this is a, a great anecdote about The Great Escape. There is a scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> where Leonardo DiCaprio's character uh, is – asked a question by a fellow actor about how uh, asking him if it was true about the rumors that he was up for the role that eventually went to Steve McQueen. 
And as Leonardo DiCaprio is describing how, well, no, I wasn't really up for it. Uh, you know, there was a moment when basically Steve McQueen wasn't able to do it and I was being considered. And as he's describing this to the actor, it's cutting to one of the famous scenes where Steve McQueen, who is a POW, is having this conversation with this Nazi you know, commander, general, whatever he was. And uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio is superimposed over, uh, I should say, Rick Dalton, which is the character name, is superimposed over mm-hmm. Steve McQueen. And it's really striking to see. And it's kind yeah, of funny yeah. because it's a scene you're so used to seeing over and over again. Now, we, we have talked about this in the pod a whole bunch. The first time we watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was at Quentin Tarantino's theater, the New Beverly. Um, and Tarantino, unbeknownst to us, at that moment was in the audience, sitting in the back. He slipped in about yeah. halfway through the movie. So at this point, he is he is in attendance. And uh, I, I remember this because our, our mutual friend, of course, Presnall, who was with us, Jeff, who was on that pod, one of the best pods we recorded was that uh, two-parter. Probably the first half is 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 better half of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> pod. But um, Aaron's audible reaction to the Great Escape scene. You're, it you're, got me. You, it got me. It got you so good. You you just yeah, yeah. you started laughing and you were like hooting and hollering. You were loving it because it was just it was like perfect for that moment for this scene for the character and and it, you could tell it really struck a chord more than it did with anyone else. I mean, this was like uh, it was. This is like when I went to go see the Book of Mormon on Broadway, which is a play that kind of mocks Mormonism, of which I'm a you know uh, a, an active faithful adherent, a tenant. <laughs> And there were, <laughs> there were these, like, references in the play that were so specific that only someone like me would understand and find funny uh, that I, I was so surprised by that. And I later had heard the creators of the play, you know, the South Park creators, talk about how they had put in specific references so they knew when Mormons were in the audience because they would hear them laughing. Oh, that's hilarious. And that's exactly what happened when I went because I went with a couple other LDS guys. And we were laughing because they were like, they're making these really deep cut Book of Mormon references. And I knew that they were... They, if you know, I don't think they were in attendance at the, you know, the play, the version I went to, but I knew that that they, we, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for that reaction. And I know for a fact, Tarantino heard you react to that scene because <laughs> you were the only one that reacted in that story. I mean, it was funny generally as it was happening, yeah, but yeah. it was very clear that that meant something to you. And it's just funny to think like, I'm like, I, and I, I don't think this is going out on a limb to say, I know Tarantino was like, yeah, that's for that guy. I hope so. That's for that I guy. I hope so because... I mean, he he got me like he yeah. really he really focused in and got me with that one scene. Yeah. Like there's there's certain moments in movies that really like tickle me personally, and and f- that one scene like really nailed me. And so it's just the connection that I have with it, and and the way that they played it off was you know it's like a daydream that he's having, and it just really was. I didn't expect it and it really caught me off guard and I loved it. I, I, I still, still smile thinking about it. So that's great. Yeah. That was a, that's the great escape means so much to me because you know, that connection I have to my dad Yeah, and, and I think it's a great film. It's one of the greatest of all time. So absolutely. Well, we didn't have any overlaps. Uh, so I was wrong, but I'm ready to reveal my dad's number one. Are you ready for it? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> this one I definitely knew was going to be on his list. Doesn't surprise me it's number one. It's a 1969 Western bona fide classic directed by George Roy Hill, re- written by William Goldman and starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And this is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> so, if I was playing a video clip, that's the one I would play. Or the one where Redford says he can't swim, you know, a Sundance mm-hmm. kid. Or the one where Butch Cassidy gets challenged to be leader of the gang. 
or the mm-hmm. end when he says, you know, I thought we were, you know, uh, I thought we were in trouble, uh, you know, for for a minute there. When they go out, guns blazing, the you know, all the you know, full glory. Like there are so many, so many iconic moments in this film. It's just a. Mo- I rewatched it recently, and it just holds up. It's really incredible. It's kind of it's a perfect odd, movie. Oddly paced, but yeah. it is a perfect yeah. movie. Like yep. the acts, it's just it's not it's not like any other movie really of its of that era in terms of the way it's assembled the different act structure it's not a traditional three act structure it's really interesting the way it's put together from the towards the end when they're in bolivia you know versus the beginning and the, everything that's happening but boy paul newman just oozing with charisma boy looking at redford now in this movie you're like, oh he's like a brat this is why people compared brad pitt to redford you know it's a, this you know we're not i've seen so many redford performances but to see him in butch cassidy you're reminded of just this quiet stoicism where like he didn't need to be the fast talking Paul Newman to communicate his charisma right this dude this dude was just a gunslinger like I mean the best in the west right I mean this was this movie was formative for me certainly obviously my dad is you know was a huge fan of it we watched it all of the time but uh shout out to William Goldman rest in peace to him passed away a couple years ago he uh just wrote a masterpiece here Butch Cast and Sundance gets one of the all-time great films if you haven't seen this movie call. at this time, at this point in your life, however old you are, it's been too long. Go see it. Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid holds up. It's just a great movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a great call. I love that movie. Um, I'm sure my dad liked it. He never really talked about it, but I'm mm. sure he liked it a lot, too. So, uh, I just want to reference a couple other movies that yeah. I didn't put on the list, but I know that he's talked about. Uh, number one, Rambo. Oh, he's yeah. a big, big Rambo fan. Um, like I said, he loves Stallone, so... Um, another movie, uh, a Western called Billy Jack. This is a movie. Have you heard of Billy Jack? No. So, it, okay. So Billy Jack is, it's a really cheesy Western. Um, and it's about the story is an ex green beret. Hapkido expert saves wild horses from being slaughtered for dog food and helps protect a desert freedom school for runaways. It, it, it's an insane movie. It's basically like a, uh, you ever watch any Steven Seagal movies? Um, you're just the one with DMX. <laughs> oh yeah, well, there, there you go. That's so Steven Seagal is essentially like the '90s version of Billy Jack. Billy Jack is just like he's like um, a guy that uh, just Tom Laughlin kicks ass. Yeah, okay. so he kicks ass and he, does, and he takes names. Basically, that's all he does. Yeah. Is like he's the hero for hire, essentially. And um, again, this is another kung fu movie. Essentially, is what kung fu western is what this is. Mm. Um, really silly, not a, not a very good movie. But because like it fills two genres that my dad liked, he would often mention Billy Jack. So wow. that's another one. Um, yeah, he was uh, any of those movies like that. He was a huge fan of. So that's great, Billy Jack. Let's check that one out yep. too. Well, I guess in closing here, as we wrap this up, as we're, we're over the hour mark. Um, I actually encourage people to, you know, if you have to compile a list of your father. In this case, it's I'm going to say father because it's Father's Day, but this applies Father's to Day, parents. Yeah, compile a list of their five favorite films. If they're if they're still alive, ask them. If they're not, try and remember the films that they talked about the most. Like Aaron, talk, ask your siblings. And I think that lists like this are interesting to reflect on and see kind of how it maybe not shaped their worldview. I want to overstate the influence of a list like this, but. I think it's a fun little time capsule and that that says a lot about the person like just you I, you know I never had the benefit of meeting your father 
but like having these different the great escape bad news bears these movies you know and these the snl comedy it actually tells me a lot about who he is a lot about his personality and his taste like i feel like i know him better having heard that list and so i encourage Definitely, people yeah. to to do that if you have a journal or diary dedicate one to the, your your father's five favorite films um so i know aaron and i keep a diary every day we actually share entries with each other. So, um, yes, we, I, we it's a shared diary. Edit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess in closing on this father, father's day, Aaron, did you have anything else? I didn't, uh, it's just a great topic. And, um, I, I, this father's day was, uh, I mean this, like, you know, I lost my dad three years yeah. ago and it's tough, but, yeah. um, it's like, you know, not to get like sappy or cheesy or whatever, but it's like, yes, you know, he's gone, but he's not really like he's still with still with me. I think about him every day. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's nice to talk about this stuff because I feel a connection to him. So yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad that you proposed this topic. So I, I love and I love that you reached out to your brother and sister to compile this list. I love that the three. I know. What fun. were the three that they all had? Uh, uh, Cabin Boy, Sling Blade and um, what was it? I think they all said. Uh, oh, they said Tombstone. Oh, which yeah. Which is another one they should have. Yeah, referenced. Tombstone. He was a big Tombstone fan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. It's so. like I, based on that list, I'm like, of course, he's a Tombstone yeah. fan. <laughs> Tombstone is great. I love Tombstone. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, Happy Father's Day, Aaron. We are two. Yeah. We are two <laughs> childless people, married men. Yeah. Um, well, we get, our child is this podcast. It is. It's a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a teenager right now. It's getting away from us. Yeah. It leaves the house for long periods of the time. Of time. We don't know where it goes, but eventually it comes home. We discipline it. <laughs> In fact, we rec- we've recorded one episode since the big coronavirus thing hit. Um, well, we did one initially. We did one a couple weeks ago. I have yet to post that one, by the way. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you post it, it's going to get taken down. So we don't want to get censored. We don't want to get censored. Also, I will be honest right. with you. I was working on getting it. I, I dragged my feet a little bit on posting it. And then um, it's we have a really great idea in there for a Christian film about uh, <laughs> coronavirus, and and like just yeah. that section alone of the podcast is probably worth posting. But as things got really serious in the United States um, regarding police brutality and Black Lives Matters, and it felt like weird content to put out, yeah. and so I thought maybe. This is timing a, is a little off. Yeah, not gonna <laughs> as as one hundred and fifteen thousand Americans die from coronavirus. Yes, maybe. yes, coronavirus is getting yeah. worse. Um, people are in the streets protesting, and and I'm doing bits about a Christian film in Wuhan. You know, it's just it wasn't maybe the time. Uh, maybe it's one of those ones we'll forever reference this lost episode as like this like epic episode that was so great, but we could never put it out. But really, it was it was just fine. It was maybe B plus. <laughs> sure, no, it was good. It was good. No, it I was good. It. Actually, that was there's the whole section in the middle is actually really quite funny uh, as we were riffing on that idea. But we do need to put that out eventually, and I'll probably kind of put a disclaimer that if we're not talking about any recent events, it's because we recorded it way back. Uh, you know, now it's a month ago or six weeks ago. But uh, anyway, we'll be back recording more because guess what? Cinemas are opening. I just, uh, I just, not even kidding, exploited a bug in Cinemark's reservation system and I got two free tickets for films seven days in a row. So (laughs) that's starting July 3rd with Jaws. Uh, But we'll be back talking about more streaming COVID content uh, as well as when movies start to open back up. I guess that Russell Crowe film 
is the first film. Uh, we also have Mulan and then Tenet at the end of July. So. Oh, we got to talk about uh, Judd Apatow's return oh, to Oh, yes. Glory. Well, I would love to talk about... There's been a lot of podcasts if people listen Lee. to Big, Big, Big Picture and whatnot. But there's been a lot of Apatow content. But I, we did see The King of Staten Island. One of us paid for it. Um, and one of us pirated it. I'm not going to say who's who. Uh, and then we watched uh, *The Five Bloods* by Spike Lee. Yeah, that's worthy of conversation. Uh, Absolutely. Certainly, because I think we will have a thin bench for Oscar season uh, coming up, and I think there's certainly going to be some Oscar buzz for some performances in here. Um, and uh, I really can't wait to talk about Delroy Lindo and Jonathan Majors from uh, *The Last Black Man in San Francisco*, which is a, one of my favorite films, my second favorite film of last year. For those that listen to that pod, and so it was cool to see him in a Spike Lee joint. So uh, we will be talking about that in the future as well. But for now, that's all, folks. Happy Father's Day. Aaron, thanks for joining as always. Absolutely. Next time, wear your mask. Wear your mask. (laughs) (laughs) Peace. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 